This is Meet the Movie Press. It's October the 26th, 2018. On the show this week, Clueless Remake, Pirates Reboot, and Halloween Breaks Records. You could say it's Slayed. Box office and the big releases and more on the show. And yes, we'll be talking Filmstruck. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now... Here's Popcorn Talks, meet the movie press. I thought it was going to be a quiet Friday. Turns out all the news dropped yesterday and stuff is still coming in this morning. Good morning, this is Meet the Movie Press. I am Simon Thompson. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at showbizsimon. You can see my work in numerous places. It is October the 26th. Halloween is next week. We have a lot to talk to. Scott is with me. Scott. Hi, Simon. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. It's nice. It's just the two of us this yeah. week. I feel like I'm on a mandate. I know. A little bromance. Yeah. It's nice to have this intimate I, space today. I agree. I How agree. are you, Scott? Who are you? Where can we find good, you? Good, good, good. Uh, I am Scott Menzel, the founder of We Live Entertainment, and I am so happy to be here as always. This has become my favorite show that I do. Oh. So I absolutely love doing this show. Uh, which is so. especially meaningful as this isn't the only show that you do. Absolutely. If it is, that's kind of like winning and also losing yes, at the same time. Yes, yes. Talking about winning and losing, uh, where can we find you on social media? Oh, uh, sure. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M. Fantastic. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can comment in the chat. We really appreciate that. Feel free to leave your comments after the show. You can catch us, obviously, live on YouTube every single week. Uh, you can also catch us then later on uh, on uh, iTunes. And we are now on Spotify, which is great. Uh, driving through LA the other day, I heard somebody listening to us uh, in their car. No shit. Which was mildly bizarre, because I thought I could hear myself talking to myself. I thought I was having a stroke. Whoa. Yes, but I wasn't, which was very, very cool. So uh, they obviously haven't watched the stream. Pe- I mean, this, this show me. a lot of people do watch. It's it's yeah. And if they don't watch it, they listen to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that I was able to go to two film festivals and run into people and have people messaging me... That means this show has an audience. It does. So I'm Absolutely. Very excited and we it. really appreciate that. And if you enjoy yeah. the show, please do remember to tell people about it. Spread the word, tweet about it, put it in your Facebook, put it on any of the social media feeds you like. We really, really appreciate it because we are a close family on the show, but we want that family to be even bigger. Absolutely. Okay, let's start with all the big news this week. First of all, let's talk about Clueless. Uh, as if everybody was using as a headline last night, a remake is in the works. For some reason, um, I, I am not in t- I don't know why. <laughs> That this is why this is happening. A sequel, I could understand. And yes. whenever anybody's talking to Alicia Silverstone over the years, it always comes up in interviews. It's kind of like one of those go-to questions, you know. A remake. I don't. I don't know about that. Yeah. I'm. I don't. It was very much a movie of its time, and I don't think a lot of movies have tried to unsuccessfully capture the current tween teen millennial landscape when it comes to relationships and stuff. Some succeed, some don't succeed. I'm This uh, this doesn't seem to me like something that is of now. It's very much of then. What are your thoughts on this? I completely agree with you. I think um, Clueless was very much a product of the 90s. Mm-hmm. I think that when it came out, the reason why it worked and went over so well was because it perfectly captured the time. When you try to recreate that, I yeah. feel like the world has changed so much. Teenagers have changed so much. The way that society is nowadays, I don't think it's going to go over very well. Um, the other thing that I would say about this is that I feel like the CW already has a lockdown on all these with all the shows that yeah. they do, whether it's Riverdale, the new Sabrina that's coming out now. I feel like 
we don't need this. And I feel like it's not going to work. It's not going to live up to the anticipation of the original. Like, it's it's just not going to work. No. I think it's also going to be very difficult to try and replicate the cast and those dynamics and the soundtrack. There are so many things in that original movie that were so iconic, that were so standalone. Yes. And even though you are tempted sometimes um, as studios and executives, if a film does well, to try and replicate that, sometimes you just can't catch that lightning in the bottle. We've seen TV. You mentioned Sabrina. Really good example. Actually, yes, that's a very different take on the Sabrina that you and I grew up with, and right. generations after have have grown to love and have great affection for. And then you've got things like Heather's, mm-hmm. and Heather's didn't work. No, as a TV thing, that audience is it turned also away didn't work from that as a musical. Didn't. It kind of kind of came and went very quickly. Absolutely, I mean, it's doing quite well in London, but it, it yeah. just generally that didn't work. And they're not the only examples. There are countless examples over the years. I just don't... I don't think this is the right... I don't think a remake is the right angle. I would have absolutely have thought a sequel would have been a much better path for this movie. Because then you have the chance to bring back some of the characters rather than having them in purely head-noddy cameos, which isn't why people will go and see the movie. Right. And I think they were so unique, those cast, who were pretty much unknown at the time, generally... Yeah, just managed to to fit in and and become these iconic things. It was also an an antidote um, and kind of an end of a chapter for several movies and genre of movies that have come before. Like a lot of the teen movies, the um, it was at a time where the John Hughes movies of the eighties had kind of that ideal of the eighties and being a teen was coming to an end because technology was really starting yes. to affect. Um, it had a difference in social balances. It had a difference sort of social tone. It was also kind of the the progression from movies like Valley Girl and Earth Girls Are Easy and all these movies from the 80s that were based in LA that were about you know subculture, female subculture and popular culture in schools we don't really we're not coming off the back of either of those right now, this is going to be coming off the back of a movie that is 25 plus years old it seems like an odd decision it really does and and, and we've, we've talked about this there's so much stuff that Hollywood has that they just don't want to take a risk with, mm. which is so strange to me, right? Like, but they're also at the same time hungry for new stuff. Well, that's no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's that's what I'm saying about the new stuff. They seem hungry for new stuff, yeah. but yet we still talk about something like this, mm. where I feel like there's no reason to do this. Um, what was that? Point Break. There was a Point Break remake. Did a couple, not work. No, it did not work. Did not work. But. Would it have worked better if they titled it something else? Why did it have to be the Point Break remake? Why couldn't it have just been something else where it had a similar plot? And that's kind of like what I think if they were going to do Clueless, they could do something like that. But they could, so everyone who sees it, like critics, could be like, oh, it's sort of like Clueless, but it's not Clueless. I don't know why we are so determined to keep remaking things mm. and, and banking off a, a title. Well, I, I have I have an idea on this because, you know, Point Break is a really good example. I think yeah. everybody, there's a large part of the audience that loves the idea of more of the same. Yes. Loves the idea. We've got the original movies, which are great. They just, everybody loves the idea. Zoolander 2. Everybody loves <laughs> Zoolander. Zoolander 2 nobody came out. Loves nobody loved it. Nobody turned out for it. Point Break. Everybody loved the idea of doing a Point Break sequel. Nobody gave a shit. Nobody turned out for it. This is the thing. I think people are in love with the idea of more of the same. Beetlejuice 2. Everybody constantly asks Winona and Tim Burton and everybody else about that. I pretty much guarantee that if that came out now, 
it wouldn't be the success that some people thought it would be. And they'd be like, it's not as good as Beetlejuice. There's a strong possibility yes. of that. I think we are more in love with the idea of more than actually willing to pay 15 bucks for more. We'll watch more when it's on Netflix or Hulu or a plane. Are we going to take our tuckers to the movie theaters? There, I don't know. There, the other thing that you need to mention, too, is time. There's yep. a lot of time that has gone past. I feel like when you do a sequel, you need like a couple of years in between, mm-hmm. maybe four to five max. Yep. You know, waiting this 20 years to do something, do a sequel, do a reboot, um, you know, something like Clueless doesn't need to be rebooted. But if you're going to do a sequel, I also feel like it's too late to do a sequel to this. Too. Mm. What are you going to do 20 years later? Yeah, it just it just doesn't work. But also, when you're the, the zeitgeist of Cluedus, we look back at it; it's quite cute with the, yeah. you know, the early cell phones and stuff like that. Technology progresses at such a rate now, and pop culture references progress at such a rate now that the chance of you actually having a movie that is even going to be relevant two years now after it's released in movie theaters, we're not realistically going to see this until 2020. Let's say. 2020, when you're writing references now and it actually arrives in theatres in 2020 and it hits DVD or home entertainment in 2021, it just, things move so fast these days. Even with Pitch Perfect 3, a lot of the references in that, I mean, that was written and shot and released in quite a tight schedule. By the time that hit movie theatres, it it seemed like it was, you know, out of a time capsule. It was horribly dated. And I just think you have the quaintness and the... an antiquated element of the original Clueless that is almost like a time capsule. That is frozen, and everything has come off it, and things didn't progress. We didn't have smartphones then. We didn't have smartphones for decades after that. Now, it's like, even when I see a movie that references, like, MySpace or something else, it just seems like it was a, a lifetime away. So I cannot even imagine what it's like if you're a, a teen or a young adult, and you're seeing these references where your life is moving so fast that in two years it's like... You don't, you know, you don't even have anything that you had two years ago, or you're, you know, don't have CDs. It just doesn't seem to fit for me. No. A lot of people in the chat are asking about this. Uh, Sky saying hello to Scott. Hello. Uh, a clueless remake question mark. Uh, I don't think we need this, but do we need anything? No, no, we don't. Uh, <laughs> what film studio is distributing and developing the clueless remake? It's Paramount. Um, and I was just reading the comment, and another one's come in because uh, it could be very interesting on who has the rights. It's it's going to be Paramount who are developing this clueless TV show. Sure, but feature ah uh, uh, that's from. Glamoury. Uh, now, there was a Clueless TV yes, show. Yes, there was. Nobody cared about no it. No one cared. Nobody watched it. Rachel Bueller. Rachel Blamard or whatever. Yeah. Blanchard. Blanchard, yeah. yeah. Uh, t- TV shows. I mean, obviously, Ferris Bueller was another weird science. These movies had spin-off TV shows. Nobody gave a shit about them. So I don't know. I, I think it's kind of like when we, you know, people vote for, for acts on, say, X Factor or whatever. And everybody wants to be involved in it. And then when the act wins, it's fantastic. And they have the, you know, the bells and the whistles yes. and everything. And then the tickets go on sale in January. Nobody gives a shit. Yet. they've right. moved on right and i just think it's the same with some of these properties uh ashley uh ashley menzel related to you <laughs> uh cashing in on nostalgia is big in hollywood absolutely they can bank on people going for that nostalgia doesn't always put bums on seats though nostalgia does not always put bums on seats i think it's to be honest with you i think nostalgia is sometimes the riskier proposition than coming up with a new ip that people can get nostalgia on board with. works I've noticed more over the years yep. in television yep. than it does in movies. Yeah. 
Uh, Except for Star Wars. Oh, yeah, true. Uh, (laughs) uh, Xenoana saying, uh, to me, Clueless is so ingrained in the 90s. I don't see how this remake will work. Uh, Why not just do another and new interpretation of Emma? No, I think that's a really good example. Because a lot of people don't know that Clueless is is a modern adaptation of Emma. Uh, And Sky Patterson saying, I think a sequel for Clueless could work, but the infamous actress Brittany Murphy was murdered in 2010. Stacey Dash is a controversial figure, and Alicia Silverstone is retired. Alicia Silverstone isn't actually effectively retired. She has... she is still acting. Uh, she was in the brilliant but massively overlooked American Woman on the oh, Paramount no Network. Watched, this. No Nobody watched, watched that. that, and that was a great show. That was like a female madman. I really enjoyed that show. Uh, and I actually see her in the farmer's market in Hollywood on a regular basis on the weekend, which is nice. So she hasn't retired. She's still very much active. Um, She's been doing Broadway. She does a lot of things. But she, I mean, I, I, just, I also don't want to see her as, like, the mum. Yeah, I know. You know, I just, it just, I just don't, I don't really buy into that kind of stuff. But let's move on from that, because something else... Uh, reboots being explored by Disney this time. Uh, it's going to be handled by the Deadpool writers. They're going to be in charge of the script. Pirates of the Caribbean rebooting. A lot of people saying this week, um, obviously we know the returns of the movies have been dropping somewhat. You know, internationally they tend to do well. Domestically they, they've been faltering over the last couple of years. And of course Johnny Depp is somewhat uh, seen by some people as tainted now. Um, so people are wondering about audiences getting on board with that. So if they recast uh, Jack Sparrow, which there are rumours that that could happen, and they reboot it, good idea, bad idea, do you think people can? Should they go more to the ride, which Disney are doing these days with some of these properties? Um, A lot of questions. I there. loved, yeah, I love this franchise so much. Um, I know it has had, it's it's kind of been a, like a little bit of a roller coaster ride, but I, yep. I really loved the last one. And um, the first one, the third one, I mean, this is a great franchise, in my opinion. I know people have mixed feelings on it um, because they feel like it's more of the same. I think the reason why they want to remake this and reboot it is because there's nothing else quite like it. Um, I mean, even when I was watching the last one, even though everyone's like, oh, it's the same stuff over and over again, there's nothing else like it. You know, it's it's like when when Jurassic World, park came out it was yeah. it was unique and it's to the you know nothing else kind of replaced and now we have a ton of monster movies but there's no pirate movies you don't see movies about pirates unless it's like something serious like captain phillips mm. um i don't know how i feel about this uh i feel like just just like it was in the late 80s with jack nicholson playing the joker mm-hmm. you know i i think it's going to be a very hard sell regardless of how you feel about johnny depp to replace captain jack sparrow yeah. because i think captain jack sparrow is very iconic and it's a character that people have come to love and appreciate it and um I, I just don't know how I feel about this. I've, I've got mixed feelings, but I think rebooting is, is the way to go because I, I really enjoyed uh, the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie when that came out. That was a sleeper hit. No yes. one, Disney yes. didn't really know what was going to happen with that. Johnny Depp was still riding high. Orlando Bloom was sort of, you know, he was getting hot at that point. Kira Knightley was new and hot on the scene. A lot of buzz around it. Uh, the other movies in that first part of the franchise, I had those guys in it. I did not like them. I found them so incredibly dull. So, so overlong. I just didn't enjoy them. The last one, the one that came out last year, I did actually really enjoy again. Yeah. Um, I think you're absolutely right on that. And we, you know, we agree on that point. But it also did feel like it, that felt to me a little bit like a bookend. Yeah. Even though like the a swan end, song, yeah. yeah. Even though the end kind of left it open, Bill Nye came straight out, out and said, "I'm not coming back." Um, you know, Orlando and, and Kira were like, "We're not gonna, 
we're not we're not interested in doing that again. And that Jeffrey was Rush. Jeffrey Rush. I think it kind of it had a really nice bookend for that, and especially for a generation. If I was Disney, I would reboot this. I would find new characters. I would continue. But would to, you reboot to do it that. this early? Yeah. You think you would reboot it? Boot it this early? I, yeah, I would. I, I definitely would because I think then you ensure longevity, and especially I think Disney looking at a lot of these things with not just being big screen anymore, but doing spin-offs. So yeah. I think, obviously, with the digital streaming service, you can have a movie in theaters every three years. You can still keep that ship sailing. And then you can have spin-off shows on TV. I think it opens up for them to look at it in a completely new way, go back to the drawing board. It can be the tales of Jack Sparrow. Yes. You could do that, You where he's basically the narrator. And it's all these, the chronicles, like the chronicles how of Indiana Jones. The way that he was. How he became yeah. the way that he was. There's lots of stuff that you can explore there. Um, you know, I think there's really a lot of things that you can do. You can open up and have some really good villains. For me, some of the best things in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies were the really tasty villains. Because you knew what you were getting with everybody else. It was yes. like Jack Sparrow was going to be a drunk pirate, blah, blah, blah. Think, you know, things are going to be terrible. And then you're going to get this really great villain. You can explore that. Make, put, the, put the narrative on Jack Sparrow and put the strength on the villains. Make it like effectively a live action version of those movies that we used to watch uh, cartoons we used to watch on like a saturday morning yeah let's do something like that have that with a main kingpin villain and then other spin-off villains i think do you, that Look you at make that. a very good point i think what people really forget when they make movies and this is often a problem i have with superhero movies and especially dc ones is that they take a villain where there's only like like the five of them. Yeah. Like there's five main villains, but there's so many villains you can pick from. And I, I've always had this fascination with villains growing up. Mm. It, it's like I always thought they were the most interesting elements of the movies because you know like why a superhero wants to save the day. You you know, you kind of now you know why Jack Sparrow wants to save the day. Like you get it. But the villains, they always have this different motive. And yeah. I think they you make a really great point that they should really go back and explore all these, like, villains that they can do. Gosh, they can date. So they can either go in the, in the past or they can go in the future. There's a lot of ways to do it. You're right. Yeah, I just think, you know, it, it really it offers them a much, a much broader um, sort of platform. To, to play around in. Let's look at some of the uh, the chat on this. Uh, Zeno Hour is recommending Kevin Hart or suggesting oh, Kevin yeah. Hart as sure. Jack Sparrow Jr. You know, maybe he'll do it. Uh, Sky Patterson saying Pirates of the Caribbean 6 or a film reboot. I don't know. It could work, but will it work? I think maybe you can. Uh, Scott Boswell making a really good point in here. Um, aren't pirates played out or is some genre mixed with the supernatural, the formula? I think it is. I think it's that mystical thing that continues to sell. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think pirates are played out in the same way that things like Robin Hood are played out and these characters that keep coming back that nobody cares about. King Arthur movies, that kind of thing. I think pirates still sell. And I think if you have that, that seed of Jack Sparrow, because, I mean, Jack Sparrow is one of the most, probably in the last 20 to 30 years, is one of the most identifiable, iconic movie characters that we've seen hit the screen that people know instantly. When you go to Disneyland and you see Jack Sparrow, there's a line sometimes longer for him than there is for, like, Mickey Mouse. And I think as an iconic character, you have to have Jack Sparrow in there somewhere. So, yeah, I think Pirates, to an extent, because everybody tried to make a fucking pirate movie after Pirates of the Caribbean came out. We had a lot of those. It didn't work. I think there's something about Pirates, and I think Scott is saying the supernatural formula is, is, is a key part of that. I don't think he's played out as a character. I think there's life, but he's not going to be Johnny Depp on screen. Right. 
Uh, Ricky Devilla saying they need those uh, when they take breaks in the schedule from those. Uh, I do think it's smart to keep this train going as it's Disney's only really successful live action franchise outside of Lucasfilm and Marvel. Especially true, and we might touch on this later on, because Indiana Jones, which is something that I think they were really looking to kind of replace pirates with. Yes. Because Disney owned that and they bought that as part of their their big deal with, with, uh, with Lucasfilm. I think that they were hoping that that would have kicked in by now. And it hasn't. And it doesn't well, see. It doesn't really see any. It's not going to be for the next couple of years that we get an Indiana Jones movie. And it also goes to show you that I think they're kind of concerned. I think Scott Mendelson posted this that with the lack of response of the last Star Wars movie, I think they're also concerned there. Burning franchises. Yeah. Too much, too much, too yeah. much on a regular basis. But I think that's here's true. the other question. And we discussed that on the show previously. I mean, there's so many properties that disney owns and will now in 2019 own and there's so many properties in terms of their rides Mm. why why wouldn't they just try to do something else yeah i i like there's so many like again there's so many ideas out there so many things that they could toy around with um I'd be curious to see what else they have up their sleeve for something completely different. Yeah. No, I think that's true. Uh, they could always do a uh, crossover with Warner, uh, Jack Sparrow and the Arrow. There you go. That might work. Uh, okay, let's talk about something else. Big news last weekend. We talked about this on the show, and I pretty much had this on the nose. Uh, Halloween breaking a load of box office yes. records last weekend. Still going to be number one at the box office this weekend because nothing is really touching it. Looks like A Star is Born is going to be number two. And also, uh, Danny McBride saying that a Halloween sequel, uh, the talks have begun, which no real surprise no. there. We already knew before the first one came out they were looking to do multiple ones, potentially filming them back to back. People are going to be really welcoming this. Halloween breaking a load of box office records at the weekend. Uh, I did a piece on this for Forbes. Uh, it's not only like the, the highest yield for a Halloween uh, franchise movie uh, opening weekend ever. It was like the biggest uh, horror movie opening with uh, a woman over 55 with a female lead. It broke box office records left, right and center. I said it was going to come in about 75, 80. Yeah. I thought the predictions were low. It came in not far off that mark. I know. So really, really pleased that we kind of nailed that one. Um, and a lot of people, I don't know who you've been talking to this week, but a lot of people who aren't really into horror have been going to see this movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is and that people, what you've also been hearing? I have. Yeah. And and people are really enjoying it. And this is a film which a lot of people are revisiting. Uh, they're going back to see uh, two or three times, yeah. which is why the box office... Not just has, Dimitri. Yeah, yeah. It just, it's going to keep going. It's going to keep going. I think it has an, a good two or three weeks left at the box office. Yeah. I, I definitely do. I mean, I think this weekend, we, we, it's looking at, we'll get to box office later, but it's looking at leaving sort of about 50%, which is about normal yes. for this genre of movie. I think we're going to see a drop that is less than that, because obviously heading into Halloween, Halloween? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that is. Uh, that's a really upsetting <laughs> ween. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're also going to see, it might drop at the weekend, but I see certainly midweek, we're going to see on Halloween night itself, midweek, we're going to see a peak on that. I could see... Plenty of places selling out. So if you are thinking of going to see Halloween on the 31st, book your tickets yes. in advance. Otherwise, you might be a little bit fucked. Yes. Um, and that will spawn your Halloween. Um, I, I really see this playing strongly for another two weeks. There's nothing at the moment, really, that I think is going to take any form of wind out of its sails until Bohemian Rhapsody. 
Yes. Which is in two weeks' time. Yeah. Is that next week? Next week or two weeks' time? Uh, November 2nd. Next November week, 2nd, actually. next weekend. Yeah. So I think it's got a really clean weekend, and I think it's going to be... I think next week it'll be knocked off the top by Bohemian Rhapsody, but I still think it's we're not going to see a massive drop next week. I mean, really, I mean, it, it, people online have, have really been getting on board with this movie, and I think part of it is the really creative marketing. Yes. That's been around this movie, and we've seen this play out a number of times, and Blue House are especially good on this. Really creative marketing, doing something different editorially or when it comes to social or when it comes to presenting it in the public platform, like the stuff they did with The Shape, stuff they've done on TV shows, really having fun with the DNA of the movie is working wonders. You also have to have a good movie. Yes. If you make a shit film... People aren't going to go and see it. No. Generally, sometimes they do. See, this one, generally. this one was very lucky because mm. not only do they have longtime fans of this franchise yeah. who have been craving a good sequel mm. for, like, what, 40 years? Yeah. Um, you know, they've been craving it. But then you have this movie coming out in, in a time where horror movies are the shit. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, this is like... This genre is like the genre that everyone should be going after right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I am worried that it might become oversaturated at some point. Yep. But right now, it's the hot genre. Yep. And this that's what helped it. it. This was a movie that was going to win over old fans, make new ones, and then appeal to, like you said, people who are kind of curious about Halloween, but have never seen one before. And also, it was really, it was, it was, a, it was a risk for Blumhouse to take on Halloween, and here's, here's why I think it was. I mean, obviously, you know, it's a very well-established, iconic, changed the face of horror when the first one came out 40 years ago! 40 years ago this week. That's fucking insane. But also, the sequels and where it was left, a, a lot of the younger generation, and I don't mean that in a patronising way, but I mean people who weren't around when the original movies came out or even when, you know, H2O came out. Really, they have a little bit of a feel, and I think it's the same way with the Friday the 13th, where, and some of the Nightmare on Elm Street stuff, it's seen as schlocky, almost laughed at. Yes. Because, it, you know, a lot of these franchises lost their way. They were seen as effectively... You know, not really taken seriously. They knew the iconic imagery and that kind of thing. But it was kind of, oh, it's a bit of a laugh. Isn't on these film a little bit shit? Isn't that the appeal? And I think this has really reset that balance where people go, yes, you can have the fun ones that are like post four on that are like, okay, it's getting a bit silly now. But you can go back and revisit things like, you know, uh, the Halloween 20 and then look at this and go, okay, this is back on track. This is being taken seriously again by a new generation who realize it's not it's not just stuff that you take the piss out of in Scream. Yes. It's not a genre that you laugh at where it's silly. It's like it can be done really, really well and it can be really effective and scary. I think also it does mean, and we'll, we'll get to this in the next story actually, I think, and Jason Blum has already spoken about this and we've discussed it on the show, taking on some other franchises that can be revived and pushed forward for one film, for two films, for three films, whichever way they want to do it. I think other studios are going to look at this as well and realize that you can bring back some of these franchises. Yes. Take them in a slightly different direction or just go right back to the drawing board and go back to film one and do a follow on from that. And it can work and people will come and see it. Yes. And I think that a lot of people have been a little bit scared to do that, a little bit reticent, especially people who feel very um, close to some of these franchises and they might get a little bit pissed if you erase all those other movies and you mess with the timeline. can be done and people will get on board with it. I agree. And I mean, it, uh, Sky was saying in the chat, $106.3 million worldwide. And this movie, 
cost 10 to 15 million dollars to make yes 10 to 15 million dollars and you get a return like that i mean it's it's a no-brainer but also don't get cocky hollywood no because not every movie and blumhouse have suffered this you can spend one to five million dollars on a movie and nobody goes to see it yeah and holograms yeah, Gem and the Holograms, uh, Amityville. Uh, I mean, there have been there have been a lot of movies where things like Unfriended Dark Web didn't oh, do particularly yeah. well. The Gallows. A lot, there are a lot of horror movies that don't. The Gallows have huge did well budget. enough that they're actually doing a sequel. Yeah, and it, but it wasn't a great movie. No, and I think no, I mean, but it was then not. you get some ones that are not not good, like Ouija. But then you get a sequel that's a lot better. So you know, there's life in these things. Yeah, Annabelle, another one yeah. we touched on previously. So let's have a look in the chat. Uh, yeah, Sky was mentioning the box office, which is tremendous. Uh, John Harrison saying uh, it was kind of shocking, but I guess the release date was on point. It was 100 percent on point. We yes. covered that on the show yes. last week. Uh, horror stands really shut out for this movie. I think yes, horror stands did, but I think a lot of people who wanted to dip their toe in, even my wife, who's not a horror fan at all, was curious to see this movie. Uh, the Halloween memes helped, uh, like they helped it. I 100% agree. Yep. Uh, that's from Glamoury. John Harrison again. Uh, how much do you think it will make total? Uh, uh, what do you think it's going to make total? Uh, internationally too, right? Internationally? About 250 You see, I think it's just going to touch maybe just below or just above the 300 mark. Okay. And I think that's that's where we're going to see this rest because I think over the next week we're going to see a surgeon and I think that's going to be good. Uh, so I think it's going to be just... Because if we're, if we're at 106 now... Yeah, it's probably going to do another what forty fifty this weekend. Yeah, yeah. I, I can I think, see. I still it. think around two fifty, maybe two seventy five. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, John Harrison, uh, uh, sorry, Ricky, saying uh, may I? Maybe I need to rewatch it, and I probably will. But I did not care for twenty eighteen Halloween. I prefer Halloween two and four, to be honest. Do you know what? Four gets a lot of shit, but I like four. I rewatched it recently before Halloween Horror Nights. They're doing the maze yeah. there. Um, I, yeah, I mean, Ricky, do you know what? I, I didn't absolutely love halloween but i had a great time with it there are a few problems that with it that i that i had which we discussed previously um but i still thought it was really good and it was a really it was a return to form as close as i think we're going to get right now for halloween but a lot of people are that uh, and glamoury saying halloween was virtually no comp with hunter killer dropping and mid-90s <laughs> widening yeah we're going to talk about that in a bit and i know uh, I, I think actually glamoury might be being paid by gerard butler because glamoury in the chat this week yes, has mentioned hunter, hunter killer, killer. <laughs> about three or four times so i think lions game right if yeah, you're being held hostage job. by Gerard Butler, who's making you put messages about the movie, send us a message. Just send us a message in the chat, and we'll we'll, we'll come and help you. Don't worry, you'll be safe. Uh, okay, so let's talk about some other horror stuff that dropped this week. Uh, Robert Englund. This is off the back of what I just said a couple of minutes ago. Uh, Robert Englund saying that he could do one more Freddy Krueger movie. If I was Warner Brothers, I would do this. Me too. I would do one more Freddy with him. And either close it out or then take it in a different direction. But I would say bring him back for this. We've we've seen that this works. And people who, again, iconic imagery. People know Freddy. That their attempt to do it with someone else didn't work. I say bring him back for one. Round it out. Me too. I agree. I, th- I think that would be a problem. You don't you have s- to spend a huge amount of money. You see how much buzz there is over that Goldberg's episode? Yeah, loads. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, if it's generating that much buzz over a show that I don't feel like that many people watch. Yeah. Come on, and I'll tell Put you something. A movie. I don't, I don't download stuff illegally, but I do keep an eye on the torrent market yeah. to see what people are downloading because it's good to have an idea about who's consuming what, how they're consuming it. And that Goldberg's episode is is very high on those torrents. I believe it. You know, 
whether it's whether it's a true file or not a true file, people are really searching for that episode. And uh, you know, in searches and stuff, it's it's up there. Yeah. You know, people are looking for this. People want to watch this. Uh, next purge movie will end the franchise. Thank this God. coming from James DeMonico, the creator. I'm a big fan of the purge franchise. Um I, I'm I'm okay with it ending. Me too. With the next one, I'm not. You know, it, the franchise grew on me over time. Yeah. But this last one felt a little too out of place mm. at the time that it came out, and it's also strange that they're talking about ending it now. Yeah. Because wasn't this last one sort of like the first one? Yeah. The, the, the first purge was basically the prequel that kind of set up the experiment that set the first purge, which has. So is it now? Is it going to be a sequel to the third one? Well, I'm I'm hoping. What I would love to see with this franchise is I would love to see them bring back Frank Grillo's character, because for me he was really so he was great. He was great in yeah. those in in the second and third movie. He really, really was. I would like to see him come back and round it out, tie up some of those loose ends. The timeline will be quite interesting. We can bring some of the characters from the from the first Purge that movie not the purge yes. which was actually the first purge movie so bring some characters <laughs> back from the first purge maybe we can see a return for you know for for the characters from the the original the ethan hawk one um i think we could see a really nice roundup of this but i think frank grillo has to be in it don't do the thing where with the fifth film you're trying to bring in a load of new characters for me that wouldn't round it out in the right way bring in some but bring back some of the characters where we don't know but put frank grillo front and center for me and also i think the thing is that when the purge started the internationally the political landscape was very different and there was an element where this seemed so far detached from reality and i'm not saying that we're about to have a purge but there are so many similarities now that are drawn on in this movie. It doesn't seem so fantastical. And I think especially when election year was really, really starkly and brilliantly observed, I think it, it's it's like with things like Veep and other TV shows. There are so many things now that are so close to reality. The absurdity and the alternative reality is not so absurd and so alternative now. And this is around the world. This is not just in America. Right, right. And I think it's harder to sell tickets for something that you can see playing out not not too differently in front of your very eyes. And I think it's kind of killed the franchise a bit. Because people want to be entertained with something that is not generally like the reality we experience on a daily basis. It is an escape from the reality of the world that we live in on a daily basis. And I think it's unfortunately kind of cut the legs off it. Which was interesting. You know, you bring this up. um, The first time I've ever met Jason Blum was actually for The Purge, Mm. the Ethan Hawke one. And we had a long interview and I was still living in Philadelphia at the time. And he asked me what I thought. What did I think of the film? And I said I really loved the political aspect of the film in the first one, but I really hated when it went into the violence. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how I remember saying that to his face, and he said we were going to go for the more political movie, but we figured it wouldn't have that big of an audience because no one wanted to think of that like the government. No mm-hmm. one wanted to think of that. And now kind of what you're talking about is that it's scary how much this has become a reality mm-hmm. and the fact that we have the corrupt government 
And then on top, I mean, we've always had a corrupt government in this country. If you don't think that, all, all, yeah, all governments are yeah, fundamentally yeah, corrupt, corrupt right. whichever side you look at. But but to see the violent aspect of this film play out, as we've seen over the last three years at mm-hmm. least. I mean, there's there's been violence in the past, but the the last two to three years especially, you know, it does. It's not fun to watch these movies anymore. And I think that's the feeling I had when I watched the last one. I, I felt very uncomfortable, especially when they put, you know, this movie, these franchises always put the, the minorities at the forefront of these stories. And to kind of see movies like The Hate You Give, as well as everything that's going on in this country right now, it's, it's almost too upsetting to watch. And I, I, you know, I think I think that's very much true. And I even think that, you know, I know the Halloween Horror Nights. I'll talk about that again because I'm, I'm I'm going again tonight, yeah. thankfully. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting where the, the Purge, even when you bring it to life in mazes and stuff like that, it did feel like it was it, it was a, a step away. It was on another side of a wall or the other side of the glass, and uh, and it doesn't feel that way now. And yeah. I think, unfortunately, but I mean, they're still they're still effectively making money. They're just not making money as much as as the, as they were. Um, so a couple of people in the chat talking about this. Uh, yeah. John Harrison saying purge movies have this low budget feel to it. Um, I, I, I agree. Um, yeah. I mean, John Harrison saying I want the purge. John Harrison makes a political comment, which I won't because, you know, I know we get a lot of criticism about that. Yeah. Uh, Lena Headey uh, uh, popping up in Purge 5 would be really cool. Uh, didn't love Purge 1. Uh, but she's recognisable enough name to get people curious about the fifth one. Yeah, I mean, the the, the first Purge movie, The Purge, um, a lot of people didn't get on board with that, but then nope. they liked the, the different stuff, but then it kind of became a completely, you know, very different animal. Uh, yeah, so I think, I think yeah, Zena was saying the Purge election year needed to end with the start of a revolution. The last Purge movie uh, could have been a, a war movie, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I, I just think it's kind of, and the TV show is doing okay, but it's not doing amazingly. I think we're kind of grinding to a halt with the purge. Yeah. So let's just go back. Let's bring back people like Lena Headey. Let's bring back you know other characters. Let's bring back Frank Grillo, and let's really go out with a with a bang. And and just, I mean, I I would like there to be some sort of light at the end of the tunnel with this journey. And I think if they make this, this is going to be out twenty twenty. But the problem also with this franchise. Oh well, yeah. But the. Problem also with horror franchises, mm. and this is something that we've, I think we've talked about briefly, but we really need to explore, is that when is enough enough? And, um, you know, one thing I will say about Blumhouse, one thing I will say about James Wan and company, is that they sometimes milk the franchises. Um, you know, they beat, beat us over the head with Saw. They beat us yep. over the head with Paranormal Activity. And the purge seems to be going along those lines where they were just keep beating us, beating every year. It's like, here's another purge, here's another purge, here's another purge. That, on top of it feeling a little bit too relevant, I think just people were getting tired of it as well. And the fact that they were doing the spinoff movie, and I mean, the, the TV show, mm. and, and that was right around Comic-Con last year, it, it just all just felt, I don't know, too much. It's like oversaturation of the market. Yes. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, we'll see, you know, where where this goes. But I mean, definitely, I think it is the right time to wrap this up. Yeah. Talking of wrapping it up, uh, final bit of horror news this week. Friday the 13th could be resurrected by LeBron James. I got nothing. No, I I, I, I got nothing. I mean, (laughs) I know I know LeBron is moving into this space and I know he's been attached to a number of projects. I I don't I don't know. I'm 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 not I don't think that's going to happen. No, we've we've still yet to see Space Jam 2. Yes. Right. 
I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I know. Do, do I think Friday the 13th will be revived? Yes. yes. Oh, for sure. Do I think it'll be at the hands of LeBron James? No. No. I would be very surprised if if that actually happens. Yeah. Um, interesting comments on the uh, from. Uh, let me just check. I think it was actually uh, Zeno Hour. Yeah, saying uh, going back to Nightmare on Elm Street, a Logan style Nightmare on Elm Street movie called Kruger. Mm. Could be interesting. Yes. Could be interesting. Yep. But I think definitely bring bring Robert Englund back. Okay, moving on. We have uh, approximately 15 minutes left on the show, 20 minutes left on the show. We still have quite a lot to get through. Uh, and also what we're going to be doing later on in the show, uh, myself and Scott, is uh, recommending three horror movies uh, to watch next week for Halloween that you, you always get the usual suspects recommended. Uh, yeah. We're going to be mentioning three movies that we like that we think you might enjoy too. Uh, if you want to find me on social media, it's at showbizsimon. Also, the show now has a, 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 a Twitter and an Instagram. It's at meetmoviepress. Scott, where can we find you on social media? The other Scott M. Thank you. Short and sweet. That's right. Okay, Wonder Woman 1984. The release date was pushed back to June 2020 this week. Charlie's Angels reboot and Terminator 6 have slipped in to that space smart 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 that it, it, they, she had a good position <laughs> yep. did wonder woman uh she has now moved i'm not surprised you know the other reason they moved they didn't want to compete with captain marvel yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no one want, no one said that but that that's a good reason yeah no one wanted to be the same year where they had to compare was captain marvel better than wonder woman too yeah yeah no no absolutely um, I'm surprised I haven't been more think pieces on that, to yes. be honest with you. I'm surprised. Um, but yeah, so a, a no real surprise. I mean, I'm, I'm disappointed that we're not going to see Wonder Woman next year. Me too. Um, because I really enjoyed I uh, the first Wonder Woman movie. I, I really enjoyed that. I mean, it had problems. We discussed that on the show at the time. Um, but I, I did really enjoy it. And I think it's, it's you know, it's things are boding well for that from what I hear right now. That's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, Charlie's Angels... You know, I'm 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 interested in that. I, I'm keen I, to see I what kinda, they do. I'm really too. curious. <laughs> Terminator Six. I'm a little bit more wary of. Terminator Six. I'm, I have zero interest. That's going to bomb so hard. I have a have a bad feeling. I really feeling. hope it doesn't, though, because I think, and I say this every time a Terminator movie comes out and bombs, and that's quite often now. Yes. Um, Since three, I I I want to see good things from the Terminator franchise again. And I really hope that going back and picking it up on that timeline is is gonna is gonna be beneficial. I really do. Um, I, I I just I'm just got that feeling in the pit of my stomach where it's like, oh no, yes, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's oh, not gonna do well. No, no, no. I don't. I don't oh, know. bother. Oh, bother. <laughs> it's just when that picture came out a couple yeah. of months ago now, and everybody was like, oh, I was like, no, yeah, that's, not, yeah. that's not how you want to do this. You yes. want to yes. do a set picture that's not photoshopped up the wazoo. You want to give something that seems a little bit more authentic, going back to what people want. Yes. Uh, yes, uh, film nerd Jamie T3 did well. Um, doesn't make it right. I, it I, did well enough. It wasn't a huge success, though. No, I remember it really, that. It really wasn't. They were very disappointed in, in, in that performance. I remember I was in the UK uh, living and working at the time. And I watched it again recently, and that is a film that does not age well. I'm sure it doesn't. Right from the get-go, where she's on the phone, and I've mentioned this on the show previously, uh, she's trying to connect to the internet. And it's like the flip-down phone, and uh, which was very sweet at the time. And she starts making... The dial-up tone noises. And even like a year after that, I was like, that has aged 
horribly. Yeah. And there are certain things like, you know, when Arnie's holding the coffin and he's swinging oh, it, I'm yeah. just like, it's so bad. So bad. That was almost a career killer for so many people. Yes. It really was. It killed it was that just... girl's career, didn't it? Yeah. I don't even remember. What's her name? Uh, Christiana Loken. Yeah. Yeah, that was her big break and the one that yes. that crushed her career. Yes. Um, yeah, no, it was just terrible. I mean, obviously, Claire Danes didn't do particularly well out of that. Arnie was like, Mm-mm. didn't help his profile nope. at the time. Who was the guy? I've forgotten who the guy was. But he was, that was just, that did not help <laughs> at all. Uh, but yeah, so interesting to see that move in there. Uh, story breaking this morning about Labyrinth uh, sequel, uh, getting a completed script and moving forward. Uh, that's, uh, that's coming from the director of the new uh, girl with the dragon, dragon tattoo, tattoo, tattoo movie, movie, Fede Alvarez. Yes. Uh, yeah, he's, Which he's that on movie? that. I haven't <laughs> seen it. I've not heard great things about it. No, no. I have not either. Uh, so I don't think this this kind of is great for him because nope. he's done some good movies and yeah. this is probably going to stall to stick with the, I mean, he started off with the Evil Dead remake, he which, which everyone kind of had a mixed feelings on. I feel like yep. I feel like some fans really I didn't love, love it, it, but I did respect it. I did too. And then Don't Breathe, which, which I thought great. was really great. Which was great. Nice original. Co- and then this one. Turkey Baster. Yep. Still mm-hmm. a classic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was... Uh, yeah, I mean, Labyrinth sequel, I, again, I'm like... Apparently, the, the script is completed and it is moving forward. A lot of scripts get completed. I don't They sit on the shelf for a long time. Yes, yes. I don't know what's going to happen with that. We, I mean, we discussed this on the show a couple of months ago, and I did an interview with Brian Henson. Um, and he was saying that, actually, they're pushing ahead more positively with a musical of Labyrinth. Uh, than they are with oh, the sequel. Yeah, so that I would think be great. we're going to see that <laughs> on Broadway before we're going to see this in theatres. That's my gut feeling. I don't know. I think this might be the crow. I yeah. think this might be the yeah, crow. Yeah. Hand well, it around a few Some places. people said the clueless was going to be like the crow, too. Where it wasn't going to ever happen again. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, Filmstruck news this morning. Uh, shutting down next month because... Uh, this is a great <laughs> line from uh, from Slash Film. Because we can't have nice things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the problem with Filmstruck is not enough people subscribe to it. And a lot of the people who really watched Filmstruck were hardcore film fans who... There's a very good chance that they own these movies already on hard format with all the extras and all the bells and whistles. And they like, like me, to still hold a hard format piece of home entertainment that's part of the problem i think also the price point was fine i just don't think the audience is big enough to sustain this kind of platform we've seen this kind of specialist platform collapse before it's just it's niche and there's nothing wrong with that it's just a very difficult sustainable business model i completely agree uh i feel very sorry because um one of the people who are, who are employed at Filmstruck are very close to me and in a member of our organization. And uh, I, I wish I can say I didn't see this coming, but I've seen this coming for quite quite a bit of time. In fact, I had a conversation uh, with a friend uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah. And we talked about this. One of the topics was, like, is Filmstruck doing well? Is TCM doing well? Mm. And I think it's a no on both ends. Um the weird thing is, is that we do sort of live in a bubble. Yeah. My Facebook is a bubble. My Twitter is a bubble. When I come on the show, when I talk to people in the LAOFCS, we're, we're in a bubble. And what happens is that we all think something's popular because everyone's talking about film. 
but we don't realize that anyone who's outside of our you know workload or our, like our, our our industry yeah that they're not really talking about this and filmstruck has put so much money into various film festivals like telluride and and tiff and they've been they've been trying to boost this brand and they had alicia there who had such you know like brought so much charismatic uh a, such a charismatic personality to the yep. to the to the forefront but the thing is is that i know a lot of people don't want to hear this but the classics are classics for a reason, and a lot of people don't watch the classics. A lot of younger yep. people don't watch them. Uh, like you were pointing out earlier when we were talking, anyone who's older will watch them either on TV or have them on, on an old format of yep. whether it's VHS, DVD, or Blu-ray Most now. Most of the stuff that I've been buying for home entertainment over the last 18 months, two years, has been older stuff. Right. Archive stuff. A lot of black and white, a lot of classic movies from the 50s, like 70s and 80s and stuff. But, you know, that's because I want to own them and I want to rewatch them. And it, and it kind of goes to show you that how much we are so used to having original programming now yeah. and we, we we bank on that you know for a streaming service we've talked about this with the disney like maybe this can go to disney maybe this can go to the streaming service and you know netflix they that's if netflix didn't have original programming netflix would have failed yeah i mean so the thing is with the filmstruck it's not only does it not have up-to-date relevant stuff it has mm. like classic films that yes sunset boulevard casablanca like certain movies like that you want to watch again but yeah. then there's like these other ones where like it's like you watch it once and you're done like how long are you going to subscribe to something like that yeah absolutely um so it's a real shame um because i think it provided a, a valuable service but i don't think it provided a service that just no. enough people really wanted which is unfortunate uh, lots of other news uh this week that we're going to have to abandon because i want to talk very quickly sure. about two trailers uh bird box this week did you see this hitting a yes. new netflix movie with sandra bullock yeah. interesting interesting it's kind of like a quiet place but where but, but <laughs> with, with, with sight with yeah, blindfold yeah. yeah also reminded me of kind of movies like darkness falls some of the shitty horror movies of like <laughs> 15 years ago where it's like don't look at the evil thing it will get you if you look at it um, and, which I kind of love Yeah, I kind of love that yeah. and I genuinely this looks great the cast is absolutely amazing I know I know really good so I, I'm, I'm pretty psyched for this I think this yes. is going to be a big thing for Netflix uh, and also it was originally called Hard Powder <laughs> uh, now it's called Cold Pursuit <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, it's, what it's what the, was that? I watched this trailer last night. What was that? Uh, what? <laughs> it just. I mean, I'm I'm gonna watch it. It looks nuts. But <laughs> well, you have to because it's felt every year we get a Liam Neeson action yeah, movie, it's whether it's January just, or February. It's like Christmas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, Die Hard with a Snowplow. You know there are going to be so many analogies for this. When they drop that tree and... Oh. Fuck. It looks so dumb. But I really want to see this. Do you? I yeah, see, I do. I, I, I really want to see this. But also Hard Powder sounds more like a, <laughs> like a snowman drag queen crossover movie. Uh, which I would also watch, to be honest with you. Because, uh, you know, I nothing's just Christmas it. like drag yeah, queens. Yeah. But no, I mean... Cocaine yeah, I mean, sniffing snowman? I was just watching... Yes! <laughs> I was just watching... I was just watching the trailer going, shaking my head yeah, and chuckling to myself. It looks terrible. It does. But it also looks quite brilliant. <laughs> uh, okay, talking of terrible and brilliant, uh, we're going to get to box office in just a second. Yes. Uh, let's very quickly... I'm going to make three recommendations, first of all, for movies that I think you should watch, or I recommend you watch over Halloween that you might not have seen before, um, or you just might be interested in. The first one is Splinter. 
a horror movie came out like 10 or 15 years ago uh, i think it was 10 years ago um really good it's a it's a small location movie uh, it's basically a monster flick i won't spoil it for you too much uh, highly recommend it highly recommend it if you like movies like the thing uh, i would definitely in the blob definitely watch splinter really really good uh, i would also recommend a movie that a lot of people actually don't like ponty pool um it is if you think it's a zombie movie think the fog um, it's very reminiscent to that, based in a radio station in Canada, uh, where there is something going on outside, and it's basically, it's pretty much, it's like Locke, it's a guy having a narrative within a radio station, some some other characters as well. I personally love Pontypool, I think that movie should get much more love. And my final recommendation is The Haunting, not the Liam Neeson one with Catherine <laughs> Zeta-Jones and uh, Liv Tyler, uh, the original, the black and white. Uh, it is not a high-rated, as in certification, movie. Uh, it is actually family-friendly, but it is one of the most intense and chilling movies that I have ever seen. In the same way that Poltergeist, which is a PG, um, is is a very, very sort of, you know, unnerving movie. The Haunting, the original Haunting. Other ones I would suggest, The Changeling, Lake Mungo, and the black-and-white version of The Mist. Get that on Blu-ray and watch it. It improves the movie tenfold what's that uh what about you Scott? you went uh you went back for some of those i did yeah um, well a lot of the lists that are going around at the moment are stuff like in the last 10 or 20 years so i'm like let's try and mix that up and have some stuff that people aren't talking about yeah what's on your list i mean i would have to you know i have to open this up of course which is not technically a horror movie but of course i have to give a shout out to my sure. favorite movie of all time nightmare before christmas which you should definitely watch. i'm seeing that on sunday at the oh, hollywood, hollywood bowl. bowl yes me too me oh too. really sunday yep. night mm-hmm. nice and I'm so excited. Good move, what's going on? <laughs> um, I just love this movie. It's celebrating its 25th anniversary this month. Mm-hmm. And uh, I cannot recommend this film enough. If you haven't seen it, I mean, I'm sure you have. But I would definitely revisit it. Um, I'll go just a couple years ago to a movie that I feel like not enough people give enough love to. And that is Tragedy Girls. Did you ever see Tragedy I Girls? I didn't. Very highly I recommended. Yeah. Two girls are obsessed with social media. Uh, it's a satire on uh, technology. It's a satire on high school. Uh, Craig Robinson, Brianna Hillbrand is in it. Uh, really funny, great stuff. I really recommend it. Um, I'm going to dive back into um, the 80s, I think. And uh, also, I'm going to go into the 90s, too, but for two more recommendations. Um I have a guilty pleasure with the the Leprechaun franchise. I think from Leprechaun 1 to 3, mm-hmm. I really enjoy those. Okay. Um, they're silly, they're over the top, but they're a lot of fun. Um, and I know this is a little taboo, and I shouldn't be saying this on, on the air, but I will say that I, despite everything that's been going on in the public with this gentleman, I love the first Jeepers Creepers movie. I it's a great movie. Jeepers Creepers, that freaking creature is amazing like yep. that the whoever cre- created that and brought that to life whew, that's amazing yeah the third one not so much second one's okay but the first one i know just you know can you separate the artist but i mean it was a it's scary freaking credit to that movie yeah. that is a that is a great movie yeah. um yeah uh no some some really good recommendations there some Thank really you. good recommendations really interesting and i like to mix it up a bit a lot of these lists tend to have the same things like uh the exorcist and all this and that and it's Halloween like this exorcist friday 13th well one that one that jamie curtis actually recommended to me that i haven't seen and she recommended to me when i was on the the red carpet at the opening of halloween horror nights a few weeks ago uh, a movie called the bad siege from the 1950s and i love movies with uh shitty kids 
Demon Kids. Oh, yeah. Love it. Uh, and it's one of those. Uh, I really like that. And also Rosemary's can, Baby. I mean, can I get in on, in on this yeah, real sure. quick? Um, one of my ho- favorite horror films I saw this year that I think went a little bit unnoticed by the public is uh, Summer of 84. It's directed by the uh, film trio RKSS, uh, Roadkill Superstar, the, yeah. the, the uh, brilliant mind behind uh, Turbo Kid. Oh, I love Turbo Kid. Yeah, yeah and uh, it's a fantastic film. It's set, in, again, 84 in suburbia, and... Um, it, it, it pulls some punches that really hit you in the gut really well, and uh, it's it's definitely something worth watching. Hmm. I had heard of it, and I think I've got a screen have, somewhere. I have a I different opinion about that movie than Anthony oh, does. Okay, well, let's That's not okay. ruin his day. I know, I will. No. Uh, Anthony, can we get five more minutes on the show? Go for it. Okay, oh, sweet. Thanks, man. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Uh, okay, so uh, those are our recommendations How for horror How come we movies? didn't recommend Hocus Pocus? <laughs> anyway, so uh, there's there are some movies coming out this weekend. Uh, by the way, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, despite the recommendation of Hocus Pocus, uh, at Meet Movie Press on Twitter, and you're always welcome to, to join the chat with us while we're live. And please feel free to follow that on in the comments section after we have finished the show. We do appreciate it. I think there was a problem with the comments last week. I know some people had a problem seeing and posting comments, but yeah. I, I hope YouTube have rectified that this week. Uh, we appreciate your feedback. Constructive feedback is always helpful. Everyone's been great in the chat today. never helpful. Yeah, no, it's been great stuff in great. the chat Thank today. you so much. A lot much. of compliments for you today, Sky. Oh, uh, Scott. Thank you. From Sky, especially. <laughs> Sky's very loyal. It's very good. <laughs> okay, a couple of movies coming out this week. Let's rush through those. Um, let's start off with Johnny English, which is... Only looking to bring in about three million domestic uh, this weekend. Uh, we know these films do quite well internationally. It did okay in the UK, where it was released about a month ago. Uh, three million unlikely to meet the uh, the top ten this week. Uh, you saw this, I didn't. Uh, what do you think? I liked it. I will say that I thought it was the weakest of the three. Right. Um, but we're not the target audience here in the United States mm. for these movies. The second movie only made like nine million, I think. Yeah. Um, this is quite a drop. I mean, this is like a 30% take compared well, they, to... Well, I mean, they only put it in, like, what, 600 theaters, too. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they did no marketing for it. I only saw Facebook ads. I'm you know. very surprised it's coming out here. Yeah, I thought it me would too. just go straight well, to Well, which Netflix is why they released it overseas, I feel, yeah. first. Um, I did talk to uh, the director of it, who was very um, excited about this movie. I will say that, you know, despite, you know, you and I have talked about this off-air, but... Um, I really like this franchise, and I like what he did with this one, uh, especially since he kind of poked fun at the spy genre a little bit differently, yep. but also brought it up to like a modern time. The movie has this whole plot about the government being hacked and uh, kind of turning everything over to this billionaire who's gr- great with technology, yeah. and John English must foil the plot, uh, of course. Um, but I really love some of the gags that they put in here. There's a virtual reality gag that was really funny. Uh, and it, it's this is the type of movie where you you also said, like, it does kind of feel dated, like the type of humor that's in it. Yeah. But it's something that I grew up with and I like watching it. Like, mm. I, I realize that it might not be, like, the in-type humor right now. But there's something just great to physical humor to right. me where it's just, like, a facial mannerism or a way someone moves their body or just some weird antics. Yeah. I just I just enjoy it. For me, it's the kind of thing I'm, I'm going to catch probably, you know, if, if I don't have anything to watch on, yeah. like, a Netflix or a flight or something. But it's really not going to set the box office uh, alight. No, uh, it's not. This time. I, I, for me, I just think I get the appeal of the comedy and the character. I just think right now the audiences are just not going for this. I, will, I would have rested I will this. say that if if anything, I 
would love the final Mr. Bean movie that kind of close everything out mm. now because that's a that's a character that I grew up like really watching and being dedicated to and I just love. So I I can't wait. I hope that it, this movie's doing well enough overseas that I hope they get enough behind it to do the if the they last do it they should movie. do it where his career has failed and he's trying to get back into the limelight and they should call <laughs> it has been okay uh let's talk about uh gerard butler's new movie uh dare i say highly anticipated i mean i could but i think i'm lying you would be lying uh, you <laughs> would be lying him. uh hunter killer that's which... like you saying that geostorm was a anticipated film yeah <laughs> i mean it was by the people who wanted to get paid yeah. but that didn't happen uh hunter killer uh it had uh 420 thousand uh on previews last night looking at a weekend of 7.5 it's gonna make top 10 not you know not not blowing any box office I want to know away from anyone else. But. I want to know how Gary Oldman goes from Darkest Hour to this. Yeah, that's that's what I want to know. But like, who? But Gary has, Oldman's done a lot of movies that I are like straight has. to home I entertainment. That he was just like fucking about and filling his time. I mean, Gary doesn't want to sit at home and watch The View. Gary <laughs> wants to be out working. Gary doesn't want to be watching Judge Judy. I don't know if he's a Judge Judy fan. Gary wants to be out working. He, he likes Meet Joe Brown or whatever. Oh, yeah. yes. Judge Joe Brown. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, there are people talking about this. I've seen a lot of sort of you know, online press activity, but generally no real promotion for this movie. No. I'm quite surprised this isn't just slinking off again to like an Amazon or a Netflix or a whatever. Um, but, you know, Gerard seems to have had fun with it. He's talking about it quite nicely. There was a press event in Washington. I think he's playing on that angle. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's out. Yes, for sure. You didn't see it. No. no. Were there any press screenings for this? There was. Oh. Uh, not two. Two of them, actually. Oh. Is yeah. that the same number of people that turned up? Probably. Okay. Was one of them Gerard Butler? <laughs> Was the other one Gary Oldman? Uh, yeah. Just okay. I'm just checking. Uh, and talking of two, two theaters this week for Suspiria, the remake that uh, no, happened, has no, happened. No one. I, no, no one. I watched no one, this. Did you see this? No, I haven't. I had the chance to go and see it last night, but I decided to watch the house, uh, uh, the house on Haunted Hill. Yes. No. I. I, I haunting, of, haunting of Hill House. I mean, I know that you know. Again, this is another one of these films where. I know that hardcore horror fans, like, and I'm talking, you got to be a really special type of right. horror fan to appreciate this movie. But, like, it's it's an art house movie. I just don't get it. I mean, I watch this, and I and I give credit to, like, Tilda Swinton. She's, she's great in the movie, but when mm. is she not? Tilda Swinton could, like, go to, like, like stop and shop and nail it. <laughs> she, I know. I agree. And, I mean, Mia Goth is in this movie, mm. and I think she's just an incredible actress. Very underrated. She was great in The Cure for Wellness. Um, I want to say, though, that Dakota Johnson in this film, and, and I'm not nothing against Dakota Johnson, but I really thought that they should have switched Mia Goth's character with Dakota Johnson's character in this okay. film. Because... Mia Goth's character was so incredibly interesting. She really held, you know, every time she came on screen, you were just like, I was so fascinated with her. Mm. Dakota Johnson, it's just like the soft voice. And she just goes, and it's like, it's just, it's it's so dull and lifeless. And yeah. it, she's supposed to be this witch who's like kind of, oh, I just, 
I don't I don't get the appeal of this film. I, I feel like uh, I'm going to go on record and say that I think it, it's going to bomb horribly. I think, you know, again, this is going to be one where it's going to have that cinema score of either a D or an F. Yeah. I just don't see it. I just don't think the average, I mean, outside of the, the target audience that they've obviously made this movie for, I just don't, there's nobody else that's really getting excited about this. So, I mean, it's it's two theaters this week. Uh, next week, it's it's going wide. Um, I, I just don't see people really getting Amazon's this movie. Amazon's really struggling this year and as I, a yeah, studio. I mean, a lot of people were saying maybe they should have just taken this straight to Amazon Prime. I think that would have been the better move yeah. for this. I, I'm seeing for the first time on Monday, and this is why I didn't see Suspiria. I'm curious about it. But I haven't, I, I several times almost watched the original movie. It's one of the classic movies that I haven't watched that I need to watch. I'm seeing it on Monday. It's showing at the Arclight in Hollywood. I'm going with a couple of friends who also haven't seen the movie. We need to see this movie. And I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing that before I see the remake. So... I'm, you that's should the way know I'm... that the remake is an hour longer than the original one. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not done with that. Uh, <laughs> okay, so yeah, so it's not... I mean, really, it's looking like it's going to be another a home run for Halloween this oh. weekend. It's going to slay uh, the box office for slash sure. box office records and uh, stab the competition. Uh, three, three horror jokes. In yes. there. Halloween looking at a $35 million weekend, which is great. It's about 50% of what it took last weekend, but I think that's still that's normal for a horror movie. Second week in the theatres. I think we're going to see a spike um, over the week because obviously we've got Halloween midweek. Uh, going back to people talking about uh, movies that we recommend for Halloween that you should watch. Some great suggestions from Sky Patterson. Uh, check out Eli Roth's Clown. Uh, Eli Roth produced that movie. It yes. was directed by the guy who went on to do The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, no, uh, Spider-Man... The, the one with Tom Holland, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Homecoming. Uh, Drive Through, uh, not aware of that one. Valentine 2001, uh, the original. I My love Bloody... Valentine 2001. That's a great that. recommendation. Valentine's a really good one. Yeah, uh, the original My Bloody Valentine. I would also say on on off the back of that, even though the remake of My Bloody Valentine is quite fun, I would highly recommend the remake of The Crazies. Oh yeah, I that really enjoy that movie. Um, and then The Void, which is on Netflix, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, took a chance on that one. Really enjoyed. It's a little bit fucked up, and I quite like that. In my High Tension's sometimes. another one I love. High Tension's yeah. great. Really, really good. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of good recommendations there. Uh, my name is Simon Thompson. Uh, I'm the main host of this show. I'm in the hot seat every week. Really appreciate you tuning in. And if you like it, tell your friends. You can catch us on uh, iTunes. You can catch us on YouTube. You can catch us on Spotify. Various other platforms as well. Really appreciate the feedback. Really appreciate your time. And as always, thank you to everybody that commented in the chat. You can find me on social media at Showbiz Simon on Instagram and Twitter. I have a Facebook page. This is Simon Thompson. And we always appreciate your feedback. Scott, who are you? Where can we find you? Hi, I'm Scott Menzel, the founder of We Live Entertainment. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M. Once again, like Simon said, thank you so much for watching this show. Yep. We love doing it. It's so much fun, and it's so fun to chat along with everyone and actually have some comments to re respond to. Which it's is fantastic. Nice. It's, yes. it's really, really thank good. You. We only have a small studio. We can't for everybody in. So this is the next best thing. Other recommendations for Halloween? Fright Night, The Howling or The Frighteners? Bloody good suggestions yes. there from Sky Patterson. Sky, thank you so much. Scott, yep. as always, thank you so much. Thank you. We will see you next week. Have a great Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween! Scare the shit out of yourself. <laughs> from producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. Views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.